Welcome to the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Lowry, founder of Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy and a nutritional therapy practitioner specializing in chronic digestive issues, allergies, sensitivities, and autoimmune conditions. Join me for episode 23, where we meet Brian Carroll, nutritional therapy practitioner and movement therapist from Washington State. Learn how his health challenges with a wrist injury led him to the field of nutritional therapy. Hear how he and his wife were able to overcome mold toxicity with nutritional therapy as well. Listen until the end to hear Brian's quick tip for healthier living. As always, we must disclaim that the information we share in the podcast is for educational purposes only. Functional nutrition is similar to functional medicine in that it seeks to strengthen the systems of the body and address root causes of illness. As nutritional therapy practitioners, we do not diagnose or treat disease and we recommend working with a qualified practitioner. Now, let's talk to Brian. Well, hello, Brian. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time to join me today. I'm really excited to talk to you more about your journey as a nutritional therapy practitioner, and I'd love to hear more about how you heard about nutritional therapy. So uh, I heard about nutritional therapy through one of my mentors, actually. So Mm -hmm. my background stems from a movement-based background, and one of my mentors in the movement industry was telling me that while movement is great, we need to be moving, uh, what a lot of people are missing is what's happening inside their body. And that's when uh, the Nutritional Therapy Association came into my eyesight because then I started to look at what's going on inside of someone's body and how can we help to optimize that process. So tell me more about how you got into the movement industry. So I've always been really active. Um, I grew up playing sports all the time. I was always in uh, multiple sports at any given time. And, you know, I just really love to be moving and stay active and Uh, It was always a big part of my life. So uh, um, I went into the movement industry. I started with training people, and then that led down a path of um, getting more into rehab, prehab with the Gray Institute, who focus on a lot of uh, movement professionals like physical therapists and chiropractors on how to look at the body as um, a whole unit. So kind of like what nutritional therapy is, right? We're looking at Uh, the person as a whole, what the Gray Institute does with movement is very similar. So instead of isolating out the body into different regions, you're looking at how the body moves as a whole and how to optimize that. So a lot of that fascination came from um, an injury that I had in my wrist where uh, I broke my wrist and I waited a very long time to go get it looked at. Um, And by the time that I did get it looked at by a doctor, the bones had basically rotted out. So in that process, um, I had to go through a lot of experimental stuff with the doctors to try to regrow the bone, which only had about a 5% chance of actually working. And because of all the experimental stuff that we did, it actually worked. 
And I don't have full range of motion with my wrist, but I still have a functioning wrist. And that, that led me into the whole fascination of the rehab and the prehab and the movement side of things when it comes to the body. So what were some of those experimental things you were doing? So this was when um, like bone stimulators were a brand new thing. So we were doing bone stimulators. They were doing different types of grafts um, to try and bring different blood flow to the bone to get it to uh, stimulate growth. And then having the bone stimulator as well, which had never been done on bones like that before. Um, That was some of the experimental stuff. And so when you talk about bone stimulators, you mean like electrical stimulation? So it was um, ultrasound, actually. So they were using ultrasound to, and I don't remember what frequencies, but basically get the the bones to start reattaching slowly. And I would do that multiple times a day. Wow. Interesting story. Yeah. So was nutrition part of what you did as well? So the nutrition part was that had absolutely nothing to do with that because I was going to, um, you know, conventional doctors and systems. We never looked at that. But because of the condition that my wrist was in and how delicate the entire process was, um, I wasn't allowed to basically move um, that side of my body for months until uh, we actually saw that there was bone growth going. So for me, for what I did, I actually knew that since I wasn't able to move as much, if I wanted to maintain my health, then the only thing I could control was what was going into my mouth. So that's when I started realizing that nutrition played a key, but I didn't know about like what specific nutrients do for the body or anything like that. So I was just trying to eat clean during the recovery phase. And so how did this lead you to nutritional therapy? You mentioned one of your mentors mentioned it to you. Yep. So uh, a few years down the road, once I got deeper into the movement world, one of my, um, you know, when you're working with people on rehab and movement, sometimes like you can give them the, the best protocol in the world and you're not seeing the changes in someone's body that you would think you would expect. And it just makes you go, huh, I don't fully know what's going on, but it seems like there's something uh, something else in their body that's preventing them from uh, reaching the goals and the success that we would expect from the uh, treatment. And so when I was talking about that with one of my mentors, that's when he was saying, you know, you're looking so much at the external components of the body that you're missing the huge component of everything working on the inside of the body. And that's where the nutritional therapy came in. Um, and he pointed me in that direction. Like, you need to learn about nutrients and what the nutrients are doing to the body and how that can influence uh, the rest of the stuff that's going on with the people that you work with. Mm. So that sent you down the road of um, finding the Nutritional Therapy Association? Yep. Yeah. He directly directed me directly to NTA. Okay. Okay. So he was an NTP as well. Yes. So how did that education help you on your own health journey? Uh, for me, um, at that point, I never had any big health issues. 
um, except for my wrist issue that I had. Uh, so health-wise, what it allowed me to do was to refine my own nutrition more and more and start figuring out some of the uh, different digestive issues that I had. And I would um, also, I had a period there where um, I would get dizzy when I would stand up and I was trying to figure out what the heck that was, uh, which was very much related to uh, blood sugar issues and uh, stress. Um, so going through the Nutritional Therapy Association, I was able to help me at that point figure out those uh, issues that I was dealing with, but it wasn't until later that all the information that I learned from NTA helped me to get through a big uh, mold crisis that I had. How did that precipitate? Um, so mold, which now that I know much more about mold, um, it can cause some crazy stuff to happen within your body. So um, growing up, I always loved to have the window open all year long because I like um, uh, sleeping in the cold. So I like to be kind of wrapped up in blankets and then have that cold breeze coming across my face. Well, when you live in a very moist area like uh, Western Washington, where, where I live, and you have a lot of uh, humidity issues and there's a lot of moisture in the air, um, you can get that moisture coming into your home and sneaking into different parts of your living space and causing mold issues. So at uh, one point about five years ago now, um, I started to get these symptoms where uh, my body would start to get really stiff. It got to the point where I couldn't even look over my shoulder to change lanes on a freeway uh, while driving. My energy completely disappeared. Um, I went from doing these long extended backpacking trips to barely even doing um, a half mile hike anywhere. Um, I would get headaches. Um, my throat would get super inflamed and sore and it would close up and then reopen enough that I could actually get some food and a little bit of liquids down. Um, and basically every single day when I would wake up, I would look at the clock to try and count how many hours it would take um, until I could go back to sleep, which is not like me. I'm full of energy. And so going to doctors and trying to figure out what the heck is going on, because I've never had an experience like that, um, it was about 12 weeks of going from uh, practitioner to practitioner trying to figure out what it is until I finally came across another NTP actually that was like, um, you know, I, it almost seems like you might have some uh, mold type symptoms. And they were asking me, you know, do you have mold in the house or anything like that? And I'm like, you know, I actually have no idea. I haven't really paid attention. And so they put me on a, a mold protocol, and then when I went home, I started looking around, and that's when I started noticing, like, uh, different secret spots around the windowsill and everything that did have some black mold growing, um, which was a – the windowsill is a black trim, so it was kind of hidden in there. Hmm. And uh, after one week of being on a mold protocol, I was about to – almost up to about 70% better. 
and I had most of my energy back, most of my symptoms were gone. I still had that 30% that was kind of hanging on, but after a week, that's the most relief I had felt in months. Wow. So you cleaned up the mole like in your house and you were, so the mole protocol was uh, what, like a set of supplements that you were taking? It was a set of supplements and then antifungals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So uh, um, went on that and then, uh, you know, because I wanted to test later on to see uh, if it really was mold, after I felt about 85, 90% better, then I went into another, like a moldy building uh, because I started becoming like a canary. I could really smell must and mold in places. Mm. And when I went into a really moldy uh, building, um, it was a barn, for about five minutes, the next day I came down with almost the exact symptoms that I had previously. And so I went right back on that mold protocol and it helped take care of all that. And so do you still have that same sensitivity for mold? I avoid uh, mo most moldy places as best as I can. Um, I'm not as super sensitive as I used to be, mm -hmm. but now I have the resources to come back and um, take care of it if I do get more exposure to it than I typically would. But we're always looking at like, you know, if you travel, you're trying to look for places that are going to be uh, less likely to have mold issues, which is, it can be tough to figure out um, because mold can happen anywhere, but we just do the best that we can to limit the exposure. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a fascinating story. Amazing that one week on that protocol had such an effect on you. It really taught me the power of finding the correct protocol for someone can be. Um, especially like, I mean, mold, for instance, it can take on the symptoms of so many different um, conditions that it's really hard to detect. It's kind of like Lyme. Lyme has similar issues as well, or Epstein-Barr. Um, and there's a lot of people that are dealing with these types of symptoms and, uh, they don't know what's the root cause of it, which is the importance of finding the root cause. Cause you might be able to stem the symptoms a little bit, but if you don't find the root cause to what's going on, then eventually it'll just come back. So did your practitioner, um, test you for mold or how was that diagnosed or how was it figured out? So when... All that happened, there actually wasn't very good um, mold tests. Like right now you have Great Plains Mycotox test that's available. There's a couple other labs that have testing for mycotoxins. Um, they were just basing off of their own experience with mold, uh, the environment that we live in, and then, um, you know, the fact that we tried so many other things and weren't getting any success that they that's what led them to thinking it was mold and um it wasn't just me experiencing the symptoms it was also my wife too and so the fact that both of us in the same household were experiencing the same symptoms that's what kind of led to it oh interesting yeah i use um, energy kinesiology techniques to kind of figure that out mm -hmm. but yeah, so that's interesting. Your practitioner just had a hunch from from their experience and from uh, from your history. I think yep. it's, I always think it's so fascinating because you know the interesting thing about mold is that it it's 
it can be in the environment. Like you said, you were exposed to it unknowingly, but it colonizes the body. And so that's why the supplements and the, um, you know, the whole, the mold protocol that you were on, the antifungals, I think really, really addressed what was going on inside as well as, you know, the outside, the exposures you were getting from your environment. Yeah. And mycotoxins are really tough on the body too, because they, they go in and they shut down your detoxification pathways. And then, like you said, the mycotoxins start to colonize in the body and then you're getting more exposure within your own body and you have no way to clear the system until you get the right support for it. Yeah. Yeah. Mycotoxins are really, really interesting and they're very varied too. So, I mean, like you mentioned the Great Plains test tests for so many different strains, but not all of them. So there's there are several different tests that, you know, you probably want to run concurrently because not all, you know, each test is sort of optimized for certain strains of mycotoxin. So you can yep. look good on one test and then get back the results of another test and see that you're really not good at all. Yeah. And then testing, again, can be skewed because it all depends on your capabilities of flushing those toxins out of the body. So if your detoxification system is super backed up and you're not able to excrete those mycotoxins into the test cup, well, then it's not going to show very well on the test because you're not actually clearing it from your system. Yeah, that's right. They usually put you on a, a, a challenge for like a seven-day challenge, right, with um, NAC to get the detox going so that the urine test picks up more. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting experience. That um, Did you have problems with eating food that had mold in it? Like, uh, you know, I'm thinking about certain kinds of cheese at that time. So at that time, I wasn't eating any dairy mm. um, or gluten or anything like that anyways. So I wouldn't know from that. Mm -hmm. But what, um, what I was eating is seeds and nuts, which a lot of times can have molds in them. And then... Um, fermented foods as well. And then uh, other foods like mushrooms. So I ended up pulling all of those out at the same time as a protocol mm -hmm. to help um, just not be exposed to more of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a really important point. You mentioned the fermented foods and fermented foods, you know, there's a lot of interest in them now. And, um, you know, there are a lot of health benefits from eating from fermented foods, as we've seen from ancient cultures. But if you have a mold problem, um, it's not the best for you. You should probably stay away from it. Mold, yeast, uh, and also the mushrooms. You know, they recommend not, um, only, I think only about 50% of people with mold sensitivity react to the mushrooms. But it's probably best to take that out of your diet if you think you're having trouble with it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So this was before you became a nutritional therapy practitioner yourself, I'm thinking? No. So I was already an NTP for a couple of years when this hit me. Oh, okay. All right. Great. So it's interesting that you sought, you sought the help of another nutritional therapy practitioner and that uh, probably opened your eyes to a whole new area of practice. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What do you specialize as? What do you specialize in as an NTP now? So we have a couple of areas of focus that I like to um, work with. So I work with a lot of people that are dealing with mold. Um, just from my own experiences and a lot of the research that I've done, um, I'm able to help people get through those different mold cases. Mm -hmm. um, and also being in Washington, we do see a lot of mold issues around here because um, 
when you live in a environment that it rains 10 months out of the year, uh, building does not stop. So uh, you, if you come here during the middle of winter, you'll see them building and um, all these buildings completely soaked while they're building it, which is just a recipe for disaster. So a lot of people here are dealing with mold. Mm -hmm. um, but then I also specialize in helping people to um, start moving and getting them back outdoors. So uh, one of the things we do is we help people to move more, eat well, and to be adventurous. So uh, a lot of our uh, clients that come to us, typically they've been living the corporate life for a long time, uh, really focused on their career. And they, while they're focusing on their career, other things kind of take a backseat, such as moving more and their health. So a lot of the people that we're getting or that we work with are coming from that um, career-driven um, uh, path, and they want help to get moving again and to start enjoying the activities they used to enjoy when they were younger. And for a lot of people, that could be mountain biking or that could be going on hikes with the family. Or for some people, it's mountaineering because we have a lot of mountaineering options here in the state as well. So those are the specialties that we work with. Well, that sounds interesting. It's um, fascinating that you wrap those things together, uh, but it makes total sense given your background. So um, tell me a little bit about you know the, the offerings that you um, that you offer, I mean, in terms of increasing adventurousness now, how do you do that? Yeah, that's a, so, you know, like I said, a lot of people coming from, um, that corporate background, a lot of times they just want to start moving better so that they can keep up with their kids or, uh, be able to hang out with their family. A lot of times the adventure part comes from the community that they're hanging out with, which is our community or hearing from um, our own adventures that makes them want to uh, explore more options. So, um, you know, some people, you know, walking around, taking a walk around the block might be a big sec step for them in the beginning. But then as they start to progress, they might be like, well, now I want to go try and hike some of these smaller hikes. Um, you know, we see uh, the photos that you take of beautiful lakes and mountains, and we want to be able to start seeing that as well. Um, so that's kind of our approach to slowly work people into uh, getting outside in a safe way. Um, getting outside for us is a big or a fantastic way to uh, break free of stress, to get clean air, you know, just get that alone time to be with your own thoughts and to be away from technology and electronics and all that type of stuff. So it's a great way just to kind of detox the entire mind and system and to see unique places that most people don't get the opportunity to see. So we help other people to achieve that uh, that with us as well if they want. Um, now some people, you know, they might not want to do crazy hikes or anything like that. But for the most part, people um, want to enjoy the beautiful uh, state that we live in a uh, little bit more than they have been. So do you run trips and things like that? I do. So uh, we do uh, different events where we take people on hikes. 
We also take people on backpacking trips, and then we also take people on mountaineering expeditions. Oh, wow. That sounds like fun. Yep. Yeah, we have uh, some big volcanoes in the state, so the mountaineering options are a lot of fun. Do you do that? Um, does your wife, is your wife active in your business with you, or do you? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. So she is also a nutritional therapy practitioner, oh. and then um, we also uh, do some work for some outdoor companies as well. Okay. Fabulous. Do you have a quick tip, just put your nutritional therapy hat on, um, for people uh, for healthier living? You know, do you have a, a piece of advice? Biggest thing from the people that I work with is to get more sleep. Uh, sleep seems to be one of the the things we push off the most or the easiest. It's one of the things that um, we tend to lack the most often, um, especially if you have kids, you're giving up your sleep to deal with your kids in the middle of the night or anything like that. But sleep itself has such profound impacts on our bodies for recovery, for detoxification, for um, just resting our systems, and it's an underutilized health aspect that most people aren't using enough. Yeah, I've heard other nutritional therapy practitioners refer to it as vitamin S. <laughs> mm, I like that. <laughs> yeah, sleep. Um, yeah, it's something I think that is almost universally neglected in our society, you know, always so much stress and fast moving lives and busy, 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 especially when you're in mid career. Um, that's changing now, of course, with coronavirus and our new lifestyles. But I think that uh, sleep is something that most everyone can work on, as you pointed out. Yeah. And right now, um, for the majority of people that aren't working their normal schedules because of coronavirus, like right now is the perfect opportunity to start catching up on sleep. And to start taking care of themselves a little bit more, too. Like, you, for a lot of people, they are being told to stay at home, which gives you the option to start learning how to cook, learning how to prepare your own food, taking naps, like, listening to your body and figure out what it is that it needs and start treating it. Yeah, and, um, and developing new routines, too, for someone who may... Um have always focused on cardiovascular exercise. You know, maybe it's time to take up a yoga practice, right? Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a great way to balance the body, just like you said. Yeah. So, Brian, please tell me the name of your business again and how people can contact you. People can go to summitforwellness.com if they want to learn more about what we offer. I also am the host of the Summit for Wellness podcast, which can be found on any podcast player. Okay, Summit for Wellness. Com. Okay. And then um, do you work with clients at a distance as well? Yep. So we, we do have distant clients. And right now, um, everybody is distant because of coronavirus. So we've been able to uh, transfer anything that we do in person directly onto um, an online platform and still keep people successful with their goals. Oh, that sounds great. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today. And um, I'd love to talk to you again about your practice specialty. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us for the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. Please listen again and remember to follow us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. 
To learn more about Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy or check out our podcast page, visit tcnutritionaltherapy.com. To find a nutritional therapy practitioner in your area, use the provider search at nutritionaltherapy.com. Until the next time, be well and flourish. Content of this podcast, copyright 2020 by Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy. Music by Barbara Benn.